The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest. I had to do the little spiel to get it out of the way because it's like, it just feels right. But welcome back. I know it's been a while. Um, It's been kind of maybe two months. I don't know. Uh, I talk about why in the episode, but basically I just got like overwhelmed with all this stuff I had going on. I was trying to keep way too many plates spinning in the air, and one of them had to go, and I had to take a break from the pod. Um, however, I'm back, I'm feeling better, and I missed um, I missed you guys, I missed talking to writers, I just missed the whole process. So, back on the show, and today we have Jake Lawler, who is, let me look up his handle real quick, I'm, God, I'm so unorganized, dude, like... It, you would think that by this point, this is episode 18, you would think that like I would foresee these things coming whenever I press record, and I don't. Okay, Jake Lawler, at Jake Lawler 42 He is repped at Industry Entertainment. He is a member of the Writers Guild of America West. Um, and he recently just got done working his first room in a show that's going to be airing on Disney+. Plus. I'll let him tell you more about that, but Jake is just a really interesting guy. I mean, he is a former linebacker uh, from the University of North Carolina. Dude is six foot four, two hundred and forty-five pounds. Clearly, I could beat him up. Not the case. Just kidding. He would beat the shit out of me. But um, very nice guy. Very peaceful guy. It went fine. (laughs) Jake is awesome. Uh, But anyway. Uh, Yeah, we talk about a lot of interesting things. He gives his background on how he got to writing, which is very interesting. I'll let him tell you about it. Um, And he goes through the process of how his career has kicked off. And it's kind of like been a skyrocket type situation. Um, Very humble guy, though. And I'm very happy for his success. And I think you will be, too, after hearing his story. Um, and before we get into that though, I do just want to remind you that if you want to donate to the show because you like what you hear, you can do that. Uh, it helps me out. You know, I have to plan and record and edit these things and put out all, all the stuff, all the promo and everything. It just helps me. Uh, if you have a couple bucks and want to, uh, on our link tree link on our social media, you can click that. And I think the top link is a paypal link and it's a legitimate paypal account no funny stuff if you want to give a few bucks you can i really really appreciate it and for those of you who have i super appreciate that thank you so much also if you guys want to give us a shout out on twitter you can do that at social writer pod um just say something about the episode you liked something you don't like something stupid that i said call me out use quotation marks uh use timestamps. Uh, really make me feel like an idiot. Uh, one day someone's actually going to take me up on this. I say it every episode, and I'm going to be very deeply embarrassed, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's fine. I don't know. I just want you guys to engage with the show. Click the like button. Click the retweet button whenever I share shit from that account. At Social Writer Pod. Be on the lookout for it. Um, and that's really all I got, guys. Uh, let's hop into the show.
Hey, everybody. I'm going to be a little rusty today because I haven't done this in like two months, I think. Unexpected uh, hiatus. But give me, cut me some slack today. It's going to be great. On the show today, we have uh, a very accomplished, talented screenwriter, Jake Lawler. Uh, Jake, it's good to have you on the show, man. Absolutely, man. It's a, it's good to meet. I know. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad we're going to do this on so hundreds of people can hear our, our first conversation. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. And it was a good guess with hundreds. I'm glad you didn't go higher. Than that. It, it might be like a couple hundred. <laughs> Usually it's a, it's up there around 500 right now. And that's pretty good. That's like, pretty great. I know. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. It's a pretty niche podcast, you know, it's a screenwriting thing. So, well, no, I think, I think there's, um, people don't, I think with social media, people don't realize how many people are, collectively list like how many people 500 people is you know yeah. like i think people can be like oh like if it's not tens of thousands it's not worth it but like 500 people is a lot <laughs> that could fill a theater like you know that could fill um a concert hall it can fill a bar so you know i i think that that's that's tremendous especially just doing this dude i already love that so, attitude so much because yeah. i am the kind of person i'm the asshole that we're talking about that's like you know 500 <laughs> is good but man i wish it was a thousand and like nothing's ever good enough and that's such a good healthy way of looking at it and i really Absolutely. love that because yeah yeah of course 500 is amazing and also to the exactly 500 no more no less who are listening i love you all <laughs> thank you very much but uh yeah so i mean dude just like going over some quick facts about you that i found online yeah. i was i was snooping on you yeah, no uh, worries. Earlier, and i found some really interesting stuff dude and i'm so excited to dive into it you seem like such an interesting guy I mean, first off, screenwriting film stuff aside, you were a uh, a linebacker recruit at UNC, right? University yeah, of North yeah, Carolina. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, and you know, just physically, six four, two hundred and forty five pounds was what I read. <laughs> I don't know if maybe that's still the case. Still the case. Still, I try to I try to keep it. So yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, so big, <laughs> strong guy, uh, and that's so cool because like. I feel like we don't get enough athletes crossing over into the arts. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's just so interesting to me. I'm a sports fan as well. Football, moderately. I'm a little more baseball and hockey, but I do love gotcha. football. I like uh, I like basketball. I like all the major sports. So it's going to be really cool to talk to an, an athlete who really excelled and went far. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. And then also up top, you are currently a staff writer for a Disney Plus show. Is that so, correct? Yeah. So I actually finished my room um, at, at the end of July. So it was my first room. Yeah. So that was it was great. It was a great experience. Dude, that is so awesome. I can't wait to talk more about that too. And Absolutely. then, uh, yeah, man, that's all I got. That was your first room. Had you had you had any features with any buzz or anything, or was that kind of the first taste of industry stuff? That was, yeah, that was the first professional foray into, into this space. So it was, it was a quite a, quite a, it's been quite a journey. So I'm, I'm very grateful for it and I'm excited to get into how it all, how it all came together. So. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm so excited to hear. And I know that everyone listening is just as excited because a lot of us are in the same position of just wanting to be in that first room yeah, or wanting absolutely. to sell that first movie. So, um, yeah, dude. Anyway, let's just start off right at the beginning. Uh, yeah. Jake, how'd you get into screenwriting? 
Yeah. Um, it's, it's been, so I'm 23 years old. So like, I think like a long You're 23. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dude, you're so, young as shit. That's so cool. That's so crazy. So, you're breaking in that early. Good for so you. It's, it's, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's funny when I say like, it's been a long road. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think like, um, just in terms of my lifespan, it really has. So, um, yeah. when I was, I was young before I started playing football, I, I didn't start playing really until ninth grade. Um, I was on the team in middle school, but I was like a crash test dummy basically. Gotcha. Um, and before all of that, I was, and still am like a classic nerd. You know, I read and um, read comic books. I watched like Batman animated series and justice league animated series and static shock and mm -hmm. um, read a bunch of books and was actually friends with the librarian, like, you know, the classic, like John Hughes. I love um, and uh, I was not the physically imposing um, person that uh, you see radiating through your screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I looked much different. I acted much different. Um, mm -hmm. And I was I was very much, I think, an outcast. And I think a lot of that was probably self-imposed. Yeah. Um, just because I was really angry for a lot of reasons. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open with this stuff now. But, you know, I've been dealing with severe depression mm -hmm. um, by the, since I was like 13 years old. Yeah, I saw and, your blog post about that. Yeah, uh, what was yeah. it? Uh, a new life. Yeah, is yeah, that what it's so called? That, yeah, that yeah, was so an that, interesting that was, read. Absolutely, yeah. So that was like the real sort of nexus point um, mm -hmm. years after, but like I had been dealing with it um, secretly, mm -hmm. uh, like no one had known. And I like I'm a high functioning depressive, so I was really able to put on a variety of different masks because I needed to. Mm -hmm. um, the way in which my depression works is that. I feel as if I'm a vessel for other people and my life is like, my life is not valid if I'm not helping everyone else, you know, mm. with, if I'm not at every practice, if I wasn't at every team meeting, if I wasn't at every like parent teacher conference, like, you know, if I wasn't doing everything that everyone needed me to be, then my life, um, I would give myself permission to like not exist anymore. Like, and so it was yeah. a constant state of survival with suicidal ideation um and granted this was all going on while i was playing football you know so like by day i was the star student the star athlete um and uh trying to be a leader in the community charlotte's a, a pretty small it's a it's a big city but it's a small community especially if you grow up there mm -hmm. um so you know by day i think a lot of this stuff was changing but by night um i was really you know struggling internally and i, I refused my mentality at that time was like, I will not allow anybody to um, suffer the way in which I'm suffering. And I thought, obviously, that that mentality is wrong. But in that in that present in that moment, I thought if I let anybody in, they would take they would take part of the suffering that I didn't wish upon anybody mm -hmm. else. So I just thought I would shoulder the burden by myself, which is obviously <laughs> the wrong mentality to have yeah. and led to um, a severe amount of bad decision-making in high school, um, yeah. so, which we can get into a little bit later. Yeah, um, dude, that that's so interesting though. Like, and it's yeah. that classic case of, you know, sometimes it's the person that you least expect who yeah, is going exactly. through the most. And, um, I really relate to that too, cause I've suffered also with depression, anxiety, stuff yeah. like that. And, uh, I, one thing I really resonated with is pretty early in that blog post, you mentioned how it wasn't always this way. Like yeah, there was a time yeah. shortly before middle school where I never had these kind of thoughts. And like I had the same thing changed for me around like age 20. 
and yeah. um and yeah it was uh really an odd thing to deal with like coming out of nowhere being like i've yeah. never felt this way Absolutely. so yeah that really resonated with me and um yeah it was just so well written and uh yeah. I, I love how transparent you are about it because i think so many of us especially a lot of us in the arts a lot of us yeah. in, you know writing music whatever it is uh deal with a lot of those issues too and um, absolutely yeah it's just uh uh really great to hear um that other people are going through it you know we're absolutely. not alone yeah. So, yeah yeah and i like that was the most important thing for me is that like when i got Cause I ended up, you know, playing football through high school and I was, you know, one of the highest ranked recruits in the country and I could have really gone anywhere I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I ultimately chose North Carolina. Um, it's where my parents went, you know, it's, uh, the Tar Heels. It was great to sort of represent my state in that way. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I was, I was very worried if I wasn't, if I wasn't close to home, I was very worried about what was going to happen to me. Um, mm -hmm. so I didn't really feel like I could go anywhere else. Um, mm -hmm which again, no one knew, you know, it was just like, it was, I was sticking with the narrative that I was going to be like the, the hometown hero. Um, and I got to college and there's every, I think there's a point in every athlete's life where you kind of realize that the jig is up. <laughs> You're like, I've gone as far as I can go. Oh, and, man. you know, I was, I was playing football because, um, uh, my parents would and still encourage me to do everything and anything I want in my life. Mm -hmm. But I knew that college is expensive and I mm -hmm. knew that I was good enough to make it. And so I was just like, even though I don't necessarily like playing football, I love what it can do for me. And I love what it can do for my family. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of sacrificed secretly to like, just play the game. And I ended up getting a full scholarship, which was amazing and mm -hmm. such a burden lifted off of my family. Of course. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that experience because my brother now is allowed to go to the school that he wants to go to just because all the money that they were saving for me, they don't need anymore. You know, oh, they, they can so do, cool. give it to my brother. Yeah. Um, which meant mean meant and still means the world to me. You know? mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, I got to a point in my life for a, a circa 2018 where I was just like, I'm not good enough to go to the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Um, these guys are very good. I'm decent. I was very good in high school. Um, I'm a hard worker, but some mm -hmm. people just have it. And I, I, I sort of used everything to go, get, get, go to school for free. I mean, that's a, that's a W that's a success. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. I, I think of that too. And like, you know, I think like athletics and sports can be so inexorably linked to somebody's life that once it, it can be a very hard pill to swallow, right. Mm -hmm. That like, this is over for me, yeah. it was pretty easy. You know, I was just kind of like, Oh, well I did it. It was fun. It did some good things for me. And now I don't know what's next, but you know, I didn't have any student debt, um, which, you know, I, I think that student athletes on scholarship don't realize how much of a blessing <laughs> that is to not have any student debt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so around that time, I was still dealing with it secretly. The only person that had kn known about my depression was a, a friend of mine, um, Michael Carter, who plays for the Jets, mm -hmm. um, who is my roommate. Mm -hmm. And um, he basically found me in sort of a catatonic state in 2017. And I basically begged him not to tell anybody. Um, so going through that experience, I remember seeing Into the Spider-Verse for the last time, uh, mm -hmm. for the first time. And mm -hmm. walking out of the theater, I was just blown away by it. But I think what what 
I mean, what viscerally impacted me more than anything that I think still to this day is I've struggled to sort of put into words how it made me feel was seeing like a little black kid and his dad in front of me walking out of the theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, the black kid and uh, the kid looks up at his dad and says, Daddy, that was me. Um, and I just, I remember going to my car and I, I burst into tears. I just yeah. started crying and it was just tears of joy. Cause I was just like, this is a kid that looks like me. That looks like millions of people that look like me mm-hmm. that will not have to, um, will not have to be a chameleon for his representation. You know, yeah. I had to look to Lord of the Rings or Han Solo or Star Wars, or, you know, um, or Indiana Jones to like find somebody that I could relate to. Yeah. And but not in appearance. Uh, yeah, but not in appearance. Like, yeah. you know, th- these are the people that I wanted to be, but I could never be them because mm-hmm. I don't look like them. Right. And here is a kid who, for the rest of his life, with that and Black Panther, are going to be able to see superheroes, you know? And I think that that yep. meant the world to me. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, coming from North Carolina, no, I didn't know anybody in the industry, no connection to Hollywood, um, didn't even know how things were made. You know, I just thought they appeared on a screen. Yeah. Um, I was just like, okay, well, you know, that, that meant a lot to me. I'm just going to be a fan, you know, I'm mm. just going to be a cinephile. I'm just going to, you know, consume these things It's such a corporate word. I hate it, but like, <laughs> I'm going to like watch all of these things and fall in love with them. But I, yeah. I, Jake Lawler from Charlotte, North Carolina can never be what these people are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2019, um, in early 2019, I wrote a short story, um, just sort of like a fiction piece. It was sort of like a dark story and, you know, it got, it was well received and, uh, the, but two weeks later, you know, I was going through my second failed suicide attempt. Mm. And I think the reason why that happened was one, because I wasn't getting help and one, because I wasn't telling anybody, but all more, I think more importantly is that I had hoped that writing that story. Cause I'd always loved writing. I was always loved being around writing and creating stories. My hope was that that would go out into the world and I would feel better. And I did it. So I was like, okay, that was my last shot. I don't know what else is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember coming down from, uh, that attempt and I basically told my roommate what had happened and, uh, Mike, and, uh, he basically, you know, he told me that, you need to start telling people because I don't want to be responsible for your death. Mm -hmm. And that really hurt, (laughs) you know, because here I am like suffering in silence, suffering alone, hoping that the reason why I'm going all through all this stuff alone um, is so nobody else is suffering. And I don't realize the person, one of the closest people in my life is sharing that burden. Yeah. Um, So I think that really sobered me up and it was sort of, it really sort of, you know, I, it was a reckoning within my life, right? I came to, I had to really sort of deal with what was going on mm-hmm. and get help and stop running from it, stop um, careening away um, from everything else, but really sort of methodically and introspectively understand what my life looks like yeah, uh, or what it can look like, you know, with help. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was sort of like a five month process. And then in June of 2019, I wrote that essay, that article, um, a a new life, basically documenting my experiences. And Mm -hmm. uh, I wrote it mainly because being a black male college athlete, my hope was that I could hit that sort of toxic masculinity triangle head on Mm -hmm. and maybe facilitate a better discussion regarding mental health. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because a lot of my teammates were dealing with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
you know, they, because of how mental health is treated in the black community, because of how it's treated in the athletic community, mm-hmm. it's not something that you're open about, you know, something yeah. that you sort of suffer through. And, and it's um, so crazy too, because student athletes are under so much pressure. Absolutely. The, I mean, yeah. not just with academics, but like the pressure of, yeah. am I going to go pro? Is this all going to yeah. stop? And then, like you said, people who take it harder whenever things aren't working out because football exactly. was all they had or, you know, whatever sport was all they had. Uh, yeah, yeah, dude, it, it's, it's pretty wild how little resources there are for, uh, people in that situation. Yeah. And it's, it is getting better. And I think like, so for example, the, we had a head coaching change and our, our, the coach that came in, in, um, uh, at the end of 2018 was a Mac Brown, who's, you know, the legendary head coach of Texas. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, he had coached at North Carolina in the nineties before that. I mean, he was very open about wanting people to be okay with not being okay. You know, to use that phraseology, like he was very much like, if you are a good human being and you work hard, I promise we will give you everything that you need. And he was absolutely correct. He helped us out. He made it a safe and welcoming space. And I think because of that, I felt empowered enough to write that. And I remember before I published it, I told him and I told the rest of the coaches that, Hey, this is something that's been on my mind. I am going to put it out into the world. So that's, you know, not to blindside them and effusive support from everyone on staff, effusive support from my teammates. Um, you know, it it meant the world to me, but what I didn't realize what was going to happen is that, you know, I got picked up by like ESPN and sports illustrated and like, thousands of people saw it and I was flooded with thousands of responses. And it wasn't just yeah. like, thanks for sharing. You know, it was a father who shared with me the eulogy that he gave at his son's funeral um, who had completed suicide. It was <sighs> like a go for veteran who had been dealing with PTSD for 30 years and had never told anybody. Um, it was a, a kid, like a 15 year old kid that, you know, was contemplating suicide before he had read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, it was a bunch of stuff like that, where I think it was the first moment that I knew my writing was good and it could do some good. Yeah, man. Um, and so that was sort of like a week long odyssey dealing with the responses to that and sort of, um, all of the, um, not necessarily the fallout, but I think sort of like the positive consequences, I think like from making that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, throughout that week, I kept thinking back to that moment in the theater um, in 2018, seeing that kid, seeing how happy he was, seeing how happy that movie made him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, can we curse on here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I, I was like, say so whatever it. you want. I, I curse okay. like a sailor usually. So, okay. Uh, I got you. Yeah. So yeah. I, um, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck it. Like I don't have any student debt. Yep. Um, which is, I was grateful for. Um, I don't want to play football and I, am not good enough to make it to the league. So I have to think of something else. I was a journalism major, but the, journalism writing while very important um was not creatively fulfilling for me at all because it's very restrictive and it needs to be you know you can't just make shit up <laughs> like, yeah, i originally um, wanted to go in for journalism and that was kind of yeah. my hang up too yeah i was yeah. just like i was like this is there's so many rules <laughs> i also hated too that like you know you, to, a good piece of journalism is always writing with a bias and like if you get hired by a yeah. certain company you maybe have, have to adhere to their bias more than your personal exactly. bias and I, yeah there was just a lot of things that could be restricting yeah. that i didn't love yeah 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 i, I and you know I, uh, the, the journalism school at unc is i think fraught with a lot of issues um but <laughs> yeah anyway you know so i was just like all this, all this stuff sort of came to a, a point in my life where I was like, I talked to coach Brown mm-hmm. and I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about graduating early. 
um, I graduated a year early. So I graduated three years instead of four, mm-hmm. um, just cause I had the credits to do it. And mm-hmm. I want to go out to LA and I want to write. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, I know a few people out in LA. I can put you in touch with them. Um, you should take your spring break. So my last spring break was my junior year spring break um, before I graduated May, 2020. Um, mm-hmm. And he was like, you should go March, 2020. And thankfully I still got to go before everything shut down. It was like a week before. Mm-hmm. So like it ended up being pretty serendipitous. Yeah. Um, but he was like, take that spring break, meet with these five people. Um, but if I put you in touch with these people, you cannot go out empty handed. Um because he's absolutely right. You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm, I didn't want to be a young kid, go out with ideas and people are like, Oh, just contact me when it's done. You know? Uh Um, so there's like an eight months, seven, eight months span between that period, that conversation I had with him and when I was supposed to go out. And I, (laughs) I just, I guess I taught myself, (laughs) like it was Google and YouTube and like reading a bunch of scripts and watching films with director's commentary and, using cell text, like using their free service. I made like a bunch yeah. of burner email accounts to keep using the free <laughs> software. Love it. You're um, the first person to ever admit to that. I think that uh, many of I, us yeah. have done it, but yeah, that's so Absolutely. funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fuck it. Who cares? And, I, and cell text is great for like, um, if you don't know, cause final draft is daunting. It's a fucking blank ass page. Yeah. But Celtex, it like formats everything. So it's like, also you know, expensive just... to get started with Final Draft. You're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. At least I love that there's a free version for people to just dip their toe in and see if they like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so shout out Celtex. Y'all are yeah, shout out. The, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I, I wrote like maybe one to two shorts. And I was like, okay, I don't, I want to write movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have the stamina to do that. And I mm-hmm. really like TV. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to write a pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the reason why I wrote the pilot was sort of twofold. It was one to sort of adhere to what coach Brown wanted, as well as what I wanted coming out with a piece of material, mm-hmm. as well as my brother and I have been going through some pretty severe, um, relationship issues, mm-hmm. um, interpersonally. And my hope was that if I wrote a story, mm-hmm. it's about like a black teen with telekinesis and his brother. And my hope was that writing sort of an ode to our adolescence for the stories that we grew up loving um, would maybe suffice as maybe an apology because I didn't have the emotional intelligence to describe why I was being such an asshole. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, and then, you know, because of my journey and because of my story, I went out to that meeting. I went out to those meetings that March, 2020 and from, they turned from five meetings to 25 meetings over the course of that week. Um, people are like, holy shit, like you need to meet with this person in two hours. You need to eat at this place in like an hour. Wow. You need to meet these two people tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so it was really just kind of like, you know, people just, I guess were really receptive to what I was doing. Yeah. Um, do you think also, some of this, well, like I know some of it is obviously yeah, yeah. your screenwriting, but do you think some of this too was about the blog posts that got you like national, uh, you know, um, recognition or were you more just hustling the screenwriting and not mentioning any of that? I think it was, I think it was probably, it's just an amalgamation of who I am. Right. I think yeah. like, cause I was, I was just like, Hey, this is what I've been dealing with. 
yeah. um, interpersonally. And this is what I want to do with my life now. You yeah. know, these are stories yeah. that are compelling to me. And I think like people are just like, Oh, that's cool. You know? Yeah, so you, I think it was probably just a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Your background too is just inherently super interesting and hearing yeah. you expand on it right now has been even more interesting, but like, yeah. Okay. That makes sense then. It, it's just yeah. crazy. Um, you know, cause you talk about seven to eight months to really be like, all right, so how do I screen write? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and like getting it down and getting a couple samples, like to a lot yeah. of us, that's like crazy to hear that you were able to do yeah. it in such a way that garnered interest once you got to LA, like not even yeah. a year later, it's just really Absolutely. fascinating. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's ultimately, I a hundred percent credit it to myself as well as to football. Um, mm -hmm. Football taught me so much of the intangibles about discipline, hard work, turning things on time, being respectful, yeah. you know, being respectful of other people's time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those seven, eight months, it was like four hours a day, four or five hours a day. Mm -hmm. I'd like read something, watch something, write something fucking, it would be garbage. And then like, you know, yeah. I just figure something out and then, you know, make things happen. Yeah. Um, I can see that you're, you, you already come off as wise beyond your years. It's blowing my mind that you're only 23, <laughs> but, um, but a, a lot, of, I feel like a lot of athletes it. are that way though. You know, yeah. you, you kind of yeah. have to grow up and mature quick. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, after that week, you know, a bunch of meetings happened, um, but nothing really happened. It was just kind of like, you know, it's like a general meeting. It's like, Hey, like we'll be in touch. And then you never yep. talk to them. Again. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. I've been taking a few <laughs> of those myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um, but one of the positive meetings, um, that really sort of changed my life forever that matriculated from the initials was a guy named Luke Ryan, who's on um, screenwriting Twitter. Um, he's a, he was an executive MGM and new line for quite some time. And oh, cool. he's now like uh, the CEO of his own independent production company. Mm -hmm. um, so he read my script um, and then I didn't hear anything from him for like two months, you know, cause the pandemic had just started. And my, I think late May, 2020, I was just like, I'm just going to move to Atlanta cause mm -hmm. I graduated in May and I was like, I'm just going to move to Atlanta and maybe be a PA. Yeah. And then, um, uh, at dinner, I think it was late May at dinner, I was eating dinner and Luke called me and he was like, Hey man, I just read your script. Let's talk. Um, so we, we have like, I think three to four meetings and most of them were notes calls, you know, it's just mm -hmm. like, Hey, change this. Um, why'd you write this? Why'd you do this? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause I, I was certainly a, still a very raw writer, but I think mm -hmm. he, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of those sort of meetings, he was like, Hey, um, we're in the process of wanting to hire an assistant. Um, would you want to be that person? Mm -hmm. Um, you can come to LA. We'll, you know, I'll pay you a salary and then you can just work here until something better comes along. Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, is just like classic, like the 1980s Hollywood story where somebody with power places the hand of God on you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, which, um, I was like, yeah, when the fuck do I start? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I moved out August, 2020 and, uh, through him, um, I was like querying different managers throughout that process. And, you know, a lot of people, I had like, I think four or five no's, mm -hmm. um, um, people just weren't really vibing with the, the story. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I was just like, Oh, well, you know, maybe it's just kind of, you know, maybe I just need to write something else or maybe, you know, I just still be his assistant for a few years and kind of make mm -hmm. things happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I told Luke that I was, you know, I was getting kind of fret cause he asked me if I was prepped. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and this was like, this was, I think it was like March, 2021. So I had been an assistant for some time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I was like, no, you know, these people said, no, I don't know what's going on. 
Um, and he was like, uh, you know, well, maybe they, you know, he said first, all of them are white men. So maybe there's a, there's a reason why they don't relate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I was like, that's, I was like, totally fair. Totally. It's good. just true. And then, yeah. And he was like, um, I have this, I know this one manager who's a friend of mine that I think is suitable for what you want to do. Cause I'm big into sci-fi horror. Um, and he was like, I know this one manager. Her name's Ava Jamshidi. She's at industry entertainment. I know her. I've seen um, her on like cover fly panels and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah she's, she's great. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, and he was like, she's a big manager. I don't know if she's going to have the bandwidth to be able to bring on somebody to like, basically, you know, help grow with. Mm -hmm. Um, but we'll give it a shot. So, uh, he sends over my material and then I think like maybe a week or two goes by and like, I don't really hear anything. So I'm just like, Oh, well, you know, just whatever. I'll just keep trying. Mm -hmm. And then she emailed me directly. Um, and she was like, Hey, I loved your script. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. Um, so we got on a meeting and uh prior to that i had uh, met with a lawyer who had decided to to rep me as well um uh, ryan nord um who is a, a remarkable lawyer a remarkable human being as well mm -hmm. um and then when i met with ava we really clicked um she really kind of like understood the things that i wanted mm -hmm. she wasn't trying to box me into like doing sports stuff with other other like a few of the other managers were like i'll only rep you if you do like a sports thing i was gonna and ask was, like, about that no, yeah yeah because yeah. i was like i have no I, I told them i was like i have no interest i will only do a sports thing if it if it means something to me i'm not doing it just because of my background and be an easy sell you know right, right. um and i uh ava asked me about the sports thing and i basically told her i was like I will only do it if the story means something to me. Um, not that I'm adverse to it, but I'm not just going to like do it to do it. Like I would much yeah. rather honestly prefer to do sci-fi horror. Yeah. Or just be the voice cool in place. the room of like a Friday night lights thing, just because exactly. I play yeah. football at a yeah. high level. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I get that. Yeah. yeah. That's not passion um, coming out. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. just work, you know? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. And uh, she was really receptive to that. She's like, good. Like, I don't really do a lot of sports stuff. She's like, <laughs> I do a lot of genre stuff. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So she, she, rep, she decided to sign me or we signed together in uh, May 2021. Yeah. And then I got the Disney job in February 2022. So it was like, I think, nine months after that. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so yeah dude. That's long, that's long, long way of saying this is how I got to write. <laughs> no, no, no. And you honestly wrapped up my other question. Well, a little bit. So uh, Ava is at um, Industry Entertainment, and that's yeah. where you're yeah. repped at? Okay, cool. Because I was yeah. going to ask next, are you repped? But you kind of included okay. that as well. And um, yeah. dude, just like infinitely interesting story of how you got there. There's so many... There's so many moments in that story that are so unique and different from every other writer I talk to. Um, one of the main ones being, again, you know, and I don't mean to like put you on a hot seat and embarrass you or anything, but no, like no, the, yeah, eight, yeah. the eight or nine months thing of like prepping and trying to learn how to write like real quick yeah. screenwrite. I know you could write other ways, but yeah. um, but that's just really impressive that like the diligence and discipline that it took to be in a place where once you got there, you could get some meetings. And I know, you know, like you said, yeah. a lot of generals, um, I, it's, it's actually comforting to hear you say that about your general meeting experience, yeah. because sometimes I wonder myself, like, is it supposed to be like this where I meet with someone? It's great. We have a great conversation. They're super kind. Everything's fine. And then I get this feeling at the end, like whenever we say, well, you know, 
keep sending me your stuff and let's stay in touch. I'm like, is this ever going to be anything? And, um, and I wonder sometimes if other writers are like getting a pitch right out of the general or like getting a job during the general. And I know we're early in our careers. (laughs) I got repped, uh, December of 21. So like six months behind you. Yeah. 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 And, um, and yeah, things are starting to move a little bit, but like, I also am thinking like maybe those real productive meetings come whenever you've done a couple things. Um, and yeah, and you know, I, you're not yeah. yeah. And I, I would, I would say, I would say, I think it truly, I think it depends, you know, like, yeah. I think it's just like purely, um, and also like, you know, I think it's a matter of, of the agency that you have within your career. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I think there's so many young young writers or maybe not young writers or like aspiring writers that are like trying to make this happen or, um, writers that are trying to break in, um, that are desperate for anything that they sort mm-hmm. of lose their sense of self. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would argue that having a bad manager is worse than having no manager at all. Yeah. Um, and this business, I don't like, I, I don't really like the term networking. You know, I, I think it should be a relationship business. You know, there are generals that, went really well, I think on their end, but I didn't really connect with what they had going on or who they were as a person. And I was mm-hmm. just like, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll obviously stay in touch, but that's not something that I'm like going to hound, you know, because I don't need anything to happen. Like I've, I've been, you know, I, I've been around death, I think for a majority of reasons since I was like 13 years old. Um, mm-hmm. and like, screenwriting it's just fucking words on a page like you know I, I love it deeply and it's what what i love but like nothing that people saying no right here people not feeling this because you know up to the disney point there was like 40 or 50 different variations of no whether it was managers passing on me whether it was mm-hmm. like a feature that was coming together or falling apart whether it was mm-hmm. a staffing meeting before the disney job that didn't work out um general meetings that didn't go anywhere you know at every point in that experience i could have just been like fuck it i'm done mm-hmm. um but i'm a process you know I, i'm a process-based person yeah. like i love i love the ocean i don't i don't love the beach if, if that makes sense mm-hmm. like i love being in the unknowing environment i love writing i love being in front of the page i love creating these stories and because i deeply love it with all my heart and soul mm-hmm. rejection means absolutely nothing to me do mm-hmm. I get frustrated? Of course. You know, do, do I get sad sometimes? Absolutely. I'm not saying that I'm a fucking T 1000, you know, yeah, like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm still have, I still have feelings, yeah. but it means nothing to me because I only care about making that black boy happy mm-hmm. from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, who I saw walking out of the theater. Mm-hmm. I only care about making, creating the stories that I want to see. I yeah. only care about writing. I only care about the story. And I, because I love it so much that when people tell me no, or when things don't work out because I'm not results-based, it's inconsequential to me. Mm-hmm. If I, if I'm told no 30 times, I'll write something new and maybe the 31st will be the right one, which in yeah. the event of the Disney job is what happened. Yeah, You know, it was like, that was like chance 41 or something like that. And it, it finally worked out. So like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like your background in sports too. I feel like I can relate in a way to being like process-based and being patient in that, like I started skateboarding when I was like 12 
And yeah. I got pretty good in my like later teen years. I probably like maximized around like 20 and then I started regressing, yeah. you know, and part of it was uh, getting, getting a full-time job and, you know, just all these yeah. things, not having enough time, but like, uh, and I also played music. I uh, played guitar and drums for a long time. And like both awesome. of those things, along with sports, um, anything, you realize that it's a process and like, you know, Absolutely. you're going to fall down 49 times before you, you know, make it happen on the 50th and that that's okay. And, uh, I I really like, I, I, the, the way that you probably do in football, I credit skateboarding with a lot of like just life lessons that I've learned of like, you know, it's, it's just every, everything's hard for every person out there. Um, and everyone has a certain circumstance, but like you just keep getting up and trying again, if you really want it. You know, like if you really want to land a trick or if you really want to make the team or whatever, you just get up and go back to work. No matter who says no, no matter how many times you fall, get hurt, whatever. Um, And I feel like that's really trained me well for this business because I I didn't know, you know, I used to hear that cliche thing of, you know, a career in writing is 99% rejection. And they yeah. were not lying. I mean, it might be more no, than 99%. <laughs> like that, that is 99.99999. I'm telling yeah, you. Like, dude. Yeah. And you and just hope for that one. I woke up this morning. The first thing I saw was an email from a film festival saying we were rejected. And I just carried on yeah. with my day because Absolutely. like, what are you going to do? Um, because guess what you made? Guess what? You made a fucking movie. That's incredible. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's on fucking Sundance or if it's at whatever, like, it takes a it takes a, a lot of fucking time, a lot of effort, months, sometimes years of planning to yeah. make something, to make moving fucking images on a screen. Yeah. And once you do that, you have succeeded. Mm-hmm. The the thing is done. Whatever comes next is just sort of like great. But yeah. like, you know, I think and I think to your point, I love failing. Mm-hmm. I fucking love it. I love mm-hmm. failure because failure is not the end all. It's the first step to growth. Yeah. And that is because of football mm-hmm. failure. You fa- I failed in fucking everything I did. I failed in the weight room. I failed in the training room. I failed in the fucking on the field. I failed in the meeting room. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this play. I didn't know this, mm-hmm. but because of that, every fucking step of the way, I got better and better and better and more resilient and more determined and more, much more belief in myself. And so when I get into, you know, this arena, which is, mm-hmm. it's much different. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm on a notes call with my manager and something that I really thought was good doesn't click. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh fuck. I finally see it. I finally see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Us creating this together is fucking better than what it was before. Yeah. I, I, you, I think you really have to approach this egoless confident. Yeah. Absolutely. You need to be confident in your ability. Mm-hmm. You need to be, you need to be, you need to have belief in yourself, but you can't just be, so personal about this stuff. Cause it's not personal. You know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. the people in your life are there. If, if they should be there mm-hmm. are there because they want to help you and they want to make you get better. Mm-hmm. And the, the feedback that they give you, whether you take it or not, it's fucking important and you mm-hmm. should listen to it and at least mm-hmm. consider it. Maybe mm-hmm. don't change it outright, but you know, find something. And so like, I, I get fucking juiced up about this shit, man. Like, you know, I'm just yeah. like, cause it's, I love it. You know, it's just like, I, this is the shit that fucking gets me going. So. Yeah. I feel like people listening are going to get jacked up just listening to that part. But like, I was going to say too, the first person who like gave you the assistant job, 
this was a yeah. real subtle thing that you slid in there, but like a good mentor will say something like when he gave you notes, he was like, uh, like it was a quick notes call. He just wanted to know, like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? A good exactly. mentor wants yeah. to know where your head was at. They're not just saying you got to change this. Exactly. That ain't working. It's like, well, why did you do it? Because yeah. maybe you can convince me that I'm wrong. Exactly. You know? And like, that's what yeah. a good mentor yeah. does. But if it ain't working, it ain't working. Absolutely. But like, uh, yeah, yeah and just, it's, just change it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So pressing forward, uh, how would you describe yeah. your brand as a writer? It's the worst question in the history <laughs> of this, this industry, but how would you describe your brand? No, nah, nah, I, I like it. Um, my, my, my greatest inspiration on this planet is John Carpenter. Um, mm-hmm. good choice, I, I, good think choice. That, I think that the thing I want to get to a point in my career where I can write like retrospective essays because I love film so much and I, I love TV so much and I love writing about both both mediums and art forms. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think the thing is the greatest film ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, full stop. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's a myriad of reasons um, why I yeah. can describe that. Yeah. And um, but John Carpenter is like I guess you know John Carpenter and I, I love Michael Mann. I love mm-hmm. Jordan Peele. I love mm-hmm. Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, people like those. Um, who are are deeply concerned with like um, what being human means, what being vulnerable means, what masculinity looks like, mm-hmm. um, what uh, and doing it all through the lens of sort of like a genre space. I think it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so like, you know, I do a lot of sci-fi horror stuff. I think all of my stuff is um, a myriad of, of, of the great, things that I grew up watching as well as like, you know, putting my own stuff in it. You know, a lot of my stuff is set in the South mm-hmm. uh, because I think that we routinely, um, we being Hollywood, I think we routinely get the South wrong. It is not just mm-hmm. some like monolithic racist Republican area because yeah. at the end of the day, the most black people in the fucking country live where in the South, uh-huh. <laughs> like all of, all of American culture, everything that is duplicated, everything that is replicated, everything that is stolen mm-hmm. <laughs> is most of the time is fucking started in the South. Yeah. Um, and there there's, it's a beautiful, beautiful environment. And, you know, despite obviously it's legitimate problems as well with the rest of the country, mm-hmm. um, there's real art there. There's real substance there. There's real people there. Yeah. And, um, I want to showcase that, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like, you know, uh, just a lot of like horror sci-fi stuff, um, some fantasy, I've been getting a little bit more into that, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I love ghost stories. Um, mm-hmm. I love, I love ghost stories. Same, um, you know, I love, I love big sci-fi worlds. You know, I, it's just kind of, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, difficult at having uh, like i kind of have difficulty answering that question but i would just say like sci-fi horror jordan peele john carpenter with like michael mann sensibilities like you know that's, absolutely that's kind of where, I'm, where my head's at yeah. well i love that you're representing a region of the country that you call home to um yeah. i had a really interesting episode very early in this podcast with uh guy crawford and um yeah yeah, sure, yeah yeah you know from twitter uh most people from know New guy Orleans, yeah. 
Yeah, New Orleans. And he's always representing New Orleans and writing about it. And like in talking to him, he backs it up. He knows so much about the culture and it's such a rich culture down in New Orleans. And um, really interesting with just like how fascinated they are with like the spirit world and things like that. And like, it's just super interesting. But yeah, um, that's something whenever I met my rep that he pitched to me was like, you know, I think that you write really authentic Midwestern working class life. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of all I know. I've been in Missouri most of my life. I've been a member of the working class, you know, never, never rich or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's been uh, once he said that it kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, I would be fucking proud to carry that title of like representing the Midwestern working class, like kind of like much like the South being gotten wrong a lot uh i think the midwestern working class gets uh portrayed wrong in hollywood like the whole like hillbilly elegy type thing that a lot of people took beef with but then even more so sometimes just not even discussed at all and um i'm like shit dude i love to hear uh a story about the guy who works the wendy's drive-thru at some fucking city in (laughs) missouri you know what i mean like and just what's his life like and how can we make that an interesting tale um But yeah, I worked at Wendy's drive through at one point when I was like 17. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, yeah, I love that. I love bringing in like, you know, it's uh, the brand question is so much more than genre. It's also yeah. about like who you are. What do you find thematically interesting? Like you said, masculinity. That's something that I like to write about as well, just because it's yeah. it's, it's interesting to be uh uh, a man these days in the sense of like whenever you're a guy who like kind of realizes maybe some of those things that you grew up believing because you were told to believe them are kind of bullshit with yeah. uh, just certain things about masculinity, but also like taking pride in, you know, some of that shit too. It's just a very interesting yeah. thing. I think that I continue to go back and forth on in my own mind about me Absolutely. myself. Uh, so yeah. I think that's interesting. Yeah. It's what you're doing thematically, where you're from, you know, yeah. uh, what, what you want to represent, uh, who your yeah. audience and, is, like you said, with going yeah. back to the, into the spider verse thing, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot of things. Yeah. And I, and I think also like, you know, I, I place a real emphasis on, on mental health in my stories and, mm-hmm. you know, nuanced mental health. I think like, uh, one of, I think honestly, one of the greatest examples of, that I've seen recently um, of like depression, sort of mental health are, are two things with the worst person in the world, um, which was fucking astounding. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a mind boggling, mind boggling cinematic achievement. Yeah. Um, but also I recently watched um, heat for the first time and mm-hmm. Natalie Portman's character, um, her arc um, when I've, I, I won't spoil it for those that haven't seen it, but there's a moment mm-hmm. in heat or something mm-hmm. really tragic happens and um the arc of of what happened i think was really resonant with me because i think again like i think that um hollywood and the stories that have been told are so monolithic when it comes to depression and mental health where it's like if you're depressed you're sad and then you kill yourself like that is that is the baseline descriptor for hollywood which is not the case Mm -hmm. you know you can be sad like your baseline is your depression is your sadness but you can also be happy in those moments you can be excited in those moments you can be fearful you can be angry you feel the full brunt and the the full weight of the human emotional spectrum mm-hmm. it's just that 
you always return to that baseline, you know? And I'd like, I want to be able to represent that in an authentic way, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, yeah. to, to, the press people have to fucking go to work. It's not just like laying in bed for however long and like, yeah. woe is me. You know, I, I was severely depressed playing college football. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of shit that I had to do, I had to pretend to like, I had to pretend to enjoy. Yeah. Um, and some of the stuff I actually did authentically enjoy, but I always yeah. returned to that baseline. And I think yeah. like showcasing that, through the lens of a science fiction story or a horror story, I think is really important to me too. So. God, dude, I relate to that so much. Like everything yeah. you're saying, I relate to so much. It's so similar to many of my struggles while being like uniquely your struggle. Um, yeah, I can absolutely. find ways that I relate to it in so many ways. I'm sure a lot of people will. Since everyone's routine is unique, uh, can you describe your regular writing routine? Like, do you usually write in the morning, in the evening, just whenever? Uh, Do you like to drink caffeine, Um, you know, water, alcohol? What's it usually like when you sit down to write? So, yeah, so I I can't do coffee um, at all. Uh, Like, it's caffeine, I think, makes my head hurt. Um, So I I just drink a lot of water. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think for my process, it's every writer that I've talked to have always been like, that's very weird. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm just like, yeah, it is fucking weird. I know. Yeah. Um, but I call it, I guess like the tattoo process. So like, you know, when you get it, when you want to, or I don't know if you have any tattoos, but like usually the standard way um, for tattoos, or at least how I've done it is that you either get it drawn up by somebody or the artist. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of think about it for a few weeks. And then if you still want to get it, then you get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I do with, with the stories. Like, so I, I always start with the scene. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what the world looks like. I don't know if these characters, if these are their real names. I don't know what genre this is. I don't know what anything is. Mm-hmm. Um, but for example, I think the newest thing that we're about to take out, that's a horror pilot. I was in the shower and I was thinking about a way to introduce a character. Um, I had nothing, no idea that this was going to be a horror story. No idea that this was going to be a ghost story. Like nothing. I was just like, what's a cool way to introduce a character. I was just kind of thinking about like structure and like, Oh, like what's a, what's a cool, unique way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about a way um, that was really attractive to me. So the more that I thought about it, I was okay. Okay. Let me write this. So I wrote like the first two, three pages. Um, and it's like a really sort of tragic, um, opening i think with the juxtaposed with something really happy but you get a real sense of who this person is within these three pages and what what they're dealing with what they're going through and what their world looks like Mm -hmm. um again like nothing i had nothing except the scene Mm -hmm. um so i wrote that scene and i put it away um like i do with everything every everything that i've ever written i always write it Mm -hmm. i put it away and if i still think about it a few days later a week later I come back to it and I'm like, okay, why am I thinking about this? What is attractive mm. here? Um, if this person is introduced this way, what is he going through here? Oh, okay. It's this genre. Okay. Why is it this genre? Okay. It's this subsection of this genre because of what he's going through. Oh, it's a horror story. Oh, it's a ghost story. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like all this stuff. And like, that's how I sort of create it. Um, is that like, I'll, I'll write the scene. If I still like it, I'll create the world around that scene. I'll understand who these characters are through that scene. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I'll usually do like an outline, um, not like super detailed, 
uh, although I did make it a little bit more detailed with this, this current one, just because like you need to outline in writer's room. So I think I just, I got that experience, um, which was, which was helpful for the creation. Yeah. Um, and, uh, once I do that, then I write and I can write pretty quickly. Um, so like the, the pilot that we're about to take out, um, that was, I wrote the first draft of that in four days mm-hmm. Wait a minute, no, I didn't. in five days. Um, and then, you know, obviously with refining and getting notes from, you know, people that you trust and, you know, mm-hmm. it got, to, I think like totally, it got to a point where maybe it took like a month to kind of get in like full working order. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously this is like in and out dealing with other things going mm-hmm. on, but yeah, I think that's, that's really kind of how I get started is that like, I have like a compulsion to write a scene. I write it. If I still like it, then I put it in, but some scene, like sometimes I've written like for example, there's a moment in this pilot that was a scene that I had just written for something completely different. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't like it anymore, but it worked within the context of what I was creating here. So I just pulled it in, changed the names of the characters, like changed some of the dialogue. So, yeah. 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 I, I look at every failed script to quote unquote failed as like yeah. just you know, maybe it's going to come around in a rewrite someday, but also maybe it's just a farm for like set pieces and stuff that I can just pluck things out and put it in yeah. this new piece that Absolutely. is working better. Yeah. yeah there, it, there's kind of like no such thing as a failed scene um, or a, uh, a scene that's only going to a graveyard, unless the scene just straight up sucks, which I have some of those too. That yeah. I probably won't <laughs> use, but yeah, sometimes there's just something in a bad script. That's a really cool set piece or a really cool, sometimes yeah, it's absolutely. a line of dialogue or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that can't absolutely. go to waste. Um, yeah, that's fascinating yeah. though. Uh, especially being such a fast writer, I'm a slow writer. Um, which is probably yeah. why I'm I'm a little over ten years older than you, and uh, and you're kind of like cruising <laughs> right into this, and I'm like, it took me a while, but I mean, it's not a race. Uh, well, uh, how how, how long have you uh, how long have you been a uh, how long have you been doing it? I've been writing uh, screenwriting in a serious way. I finished my first feature in um, the summer of 2019. I started at the beginning of 2019, okay. but like. Uh, I had been writing a little bit of like sketch comedy and a little bit of short films since like 2015, 2016. Um, And I was in community college and then I ended up transferring to film school in 2018. So I was dabbling for a few years, but um, I didn't finish a big project until 2019. So honestly, like, you know, in the grand scheme of a lot of the conversations I've had with people, even I'm on the yeah. faster, uh, you know, a little yeah, bit I was just about to say, yeah, because trajectory I, too. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, you said you finished at the end. You finished your first script at the end of 2019. Uh, yeah, middle, middle of 2019. Yeah, yeah so I finished. So I finished my first one, um, in like early 2020. So oh I, shit! Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yes, pretty yeah. close then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, a lot of it was yeah. just like getting the discipline, like from 2015 to 2018, absolutely. I was actually working on the same feature, uh, three okay. different Got versions it. of it, but I would write from page one to like 40, no outline, no okay, nothing, yeah, just yeah, yeah. freestyle in it. And, uh, <laughs> and cause I didn't understand story structure yet. I didn't know how people absolutely. wrote scripts. Yeah. And then, um, so I try, I get to page 40, realize I wrote myself into a corner and be like, fuck. And then I'd start over and think I had at that time. Yeah, and yeah. 
once I got to film school, I got in my first screenwriting class in the beginning of 2019. And literally our professor just showed us save the cat, uh, the book. And it has like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that structure guide, like, and it's only one way of doing it, but, uh, I've promoted yeah. them so much on this fucking show. They really, really owe me money one day, but <laughs> I've, I've told a lot of new writers. I literally told today, um, shout out to, uh, Oh, I won't shout out. Cause maybe it was a private conversation, but someone DM me who is like a DP director <laughs> and they were like, Hey, yeah, I, uh, I want to get into writing. Uh, is there any like advice you'd have for a newbie? And I told him, save the yeah. cat for real buy that book yeah. and just kind of like poke around <laughs> i feel like it's such a good starting point but yeah. even me as someone who now has a rep and you know different things going on for yeah. myself that i'm very grateful for i still crack open save the cat all the time as i'm writing a script like wait how should i do that let's look at the book real quick um i, I don't think yeah. i've ever read any of the i don't think i've ever read i, I know the save the cat structure i don't think i've read any of the books though yeah um, yeah it's you know just, there's shit in there that's good and there's shit in there that's kind of like feels a little old hollywood I've, yeah i want to get into it though because i've heard like some some really there's some really fascinating things at least i think mm -hmm. just from like a a theoretical perspective like in terms of like what people think about it which i, I think is always really fascinating me too um, and especially if you just go into any screenwriting book whatever video whatever way to learn writing as long as you go into it just understanding this is only one person's opinion it's only one yeah, way exactly. of doing it you know yeah. there are infinite ways yeah. to go about this but yeah um okay so we kind of covered process too um and so on average do you think like you know, usually I, I know that you're still pretty early in finishing yeah. projects and getting them industry ready, but like you said, the last one took a month. Uh, are you usually getting things in a pretty decent place that quickly or have there been slower projects? Um, I, I, I think it truly depends. I've certainly gotten better at it. I mean, I mm -hmm. think the room, um, the writers room really helped out. Um, uh, I bet it was so that. impressive um, watching some of those pros work. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I was, it was invaluable information yeah. and, yeah. um, um, that I, that I will take with me and I have been taking with me on my other side. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's some projects that like, you know, I've started and I'm always kind of a big believer of like not forcing things. Right. Like I think there's a difference between like not being motivated and not forcing it. Right. Like I think mm -hmm. like if you're unmotivated to do something, then you need to find motivation because it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're trying to force something, it's not going to be good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some times where it's just like, cause I, I know that I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a talented writer. I know that I can work very hard. There's some times where I'm writing something. I'm just like, it just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And I put it away. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just like, Oh, just, I, I just don't feel like I can exert my energy towards this. Mm -hmm. Um, for example, the, uh, the, the one that we're about to take out, um, I had a notes call to my manager where I'd, so we had to sort of like restructure a few things and I just, it wasn't clicking for me at all. Um, and I was just like, fuck, like, like this needs to be done somewhat soon. Like I, this is not working. Um, what will I do? Mm -hmm. Um, there had been an idea, um, like a big sort of sci-fi action idea that I've had for months. Like I create, I think I created, created the idea in January of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't like, it was kind of a rough outline, but there, I didn't really do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just like, fucking, I'm going to write that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I wrote that draft of, of that story in like four days of that pilot. 
And because I had put so much of my energy towards that, I somehow unconsciously cracked the the first issue of mm. like rebreaking the the other one. So because I had written this other thing, I came back to the other the the horror pilot, super fresh, super ready to go, um, with a with a new idea. Because I think like when you're when you're with an idea for so long, you can't really see anything anymore. You know, yep. you're just kind of in it. And I think yep. it's really helpful to work on something else. So when you come back to it, you're like, oh. I understand why this wasn't working. Oh, I know this can go here now. And I, so that's really helpful to me is that like, sometimes I just really can't do something and I work on something else because yeah. I have a bunch of ideas that, that are in various places of development, various, um, um, various, um, places of, or stages of com completion. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you know, some, some things are not done, should have been done a long time ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. And some things are, done immediately you know so i think it's just all contingent on how you're feeling in that moment yeah really really good advice listen to your gut um and that's beyond yeah. writing too like the older i get the more i'm like man that yeah. that little voice inside is usually right um Absolutely. telling you this is a bad idea don't do this yeah. you know or whatever yeah. i should have probably listened to that when i was a kid getting in trouble a lot but uh, i always yeah. look past <laughs> that voice uh but yeah. anyway um yeah. And I had a, a mentor. I still have a mentor of mine. Who's a, a pretty successful producer who um, has said that to me and a group of people that he mentors. That's like, have four or five things going at once, Absolutely. because like you, you also just like when you have a new project, no matter how good it is for one reason or another, that might not even make sense. That project, the odds of it getting made are already small. So yeah. like banking all of your career on this one project is, or even two is just a bad yeah. idea. Like have, have yeah. options, have things going. Uh, sometimes a thing is really good, but it's just not the right time, you know, and in, in three yeah. years, it's going to be like, that's perfect for that. Uh, but Absolutely. anyway, yep. Totally agree with that. Have things going on, have multiple projects and just listen to your gut. Um, I do that a lot. If something doesn't feel right, I'm like, there's no, I, I used to be of the mindset of push through it. Like, yeah. you know, you're just not working hard enough. Just keep going, get it done, get the words yeah. on the page. And, you know, I'm at a point now where I kind of don't really believe in that. Uh, I believe in work hard and get the words down, but if there's something inside you telling you that thematically this isn't working or Absolutely. this, this character, there's just something about it that's nagging me. Yeah. listen yeah. to that voice and you know pay attention because yeah. yeah, otherwise and you're my, wasting time my my number my greatest advice i could give to anybody mm -hmm. is advice that people probably don't necessarily agree with but mm -hmm. like um i think if you get to a point and this goes for all things this isn't just writing mm -hmm. is that you need to take fucking breaks <laughs> like, mm -hmm. You need to take breaks. I mean, mm -hmm. and it's, it's so bad, especially in my generation where it's like the, the 30 under 30 community and like the mm -hmm. LinkedIn stuff and with yeah. every career, right? Like, yeah. you know, I was the a grind, banking analyst at 20. Culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, like, oh, it's exhausting. It's fucking exhausting. It's exhausting looking at it. It's exhausting being a part of it. It's exhausting. And, you know, I think like there's such like, and it makes sense. I think especially in my generation, right? Where it's like, it's much more expensive to go to school. Mm. It's much harder to find a job. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, and there's such a hyper competition between everybody. It's like, I was, I made this list. I made this thing. I made this thing. And like, you know, I think especially in, 
in like the screenwriting community, it's great to share your work. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that absolutely share your wins. Mm -hmm. Everyone will support you. That's beautiful. And you deserve it. You deserve everything because it's very fucking hard. You deserve to celebrate. But part of that is knowing when to relax. Mm -hmm. Like just if you can, you know, and I I understand that some people can, I wasn't able to for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you are financially able to take a break, just, just rest, just relax, step away from it, do something else enjoy something else. I'm telling you, it has been unbelievably helpful for my career. And I think without taking breaks, I would not, I honestly would not be where I am today. I would not be speaking with you. I would not be in the WGA. I would not be doing any of this if I hadn't learned to fucking chill. (laughs) So interesting to have this conversation at this moment, because uh, you're the first episode back from this hiatus from this podcast. Yeah. And it's no coincidence that I've been on a break for two months from this podcast. And two months ago, I started therapy for the first time in my life. And uh, hey, I really need it. Thanks, man. Yeah. Had uh, a lot of a lot of childhood bullshit. And, you know, we all yeah. have life stuff. But I was the same way as you when you're talking about, like, masking your depression and going out in the world like everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, did that for yeah. a lot of years, just thinking, like, you know, I'm a smart enough guy. I can figure this shit out on my own. Um, and you just can't <laughs> like, you just you need, you you need help man, and asking <laughs> for help is totally okay. It's even actually yeah. a great thing that we should all be doing. Uh, Absolutely. and I know it's, it's, it costs money to get healthcare and it, that's yeah. a whole nother fucked up conversation. But, um, if you can find a way, I'm lucky enough that Missouri passed a, um, Medicaid, uh, law last year where, if you meet a certain income threshold, you can qualify. I qualified. And from that, I'm actually getting therapy for very, very cheap. And uh, it's been awesome so far. And, but yeah, that was one of the very first things we talked about was uh, me being a little bit of a workaholic and kind of just killing myself with work. And uh, I ended up taking a break from everything for a little bit. And then I kind of got back into my writing and film stuff, but I've left the podcast out of it for a second. And now I'm feeling good enough. And also just like I was having a great time meeting writers and just having these talks that I was like, Absolutely. yeah, I should get back into it. And, um, yeah. and I've been very lucky wow. that like the community embraced the podcast and it's been very fun to do. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I, I totally co-sign that and can't co-sign it enough of um, yeah, yeah for the very first time I'm realizing how important breaks are. Absolutely. And I'm proud of you, man, for real. Like, you know, I know we just met, but like, you know, taking that step is really important. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm hoping that it's been helpful for you because it's, you know, it's, it's okay to be open about this shit. Like, it's not like it shouldn't be a secret. Like you should fucking wear it on your sleeve. You know, it's a part of who you are. It's a, Mm -hmm. maybe it's not a beautiful thing, but it is you, you know, and I think it's something that you should, you should let, you should deal with, you know, and I'm so, that's that's really amazing that you're getting out that's great. yeah thank you so much man yeah and i agree it's just um there's no shame in the game uh absolutely awesome so whenever you've kind of touched on this a little bit but whenever your first draft's complete um what's the first thing you're doing are, are you still playing the contest game at all have you ever played the nah, contest game i i've i've never entered anything in a contest dude you um, gotta be like the I... first one on the show that said that i think i think you're like episode like 18 or 19 so i haven't done yeah. that many but i'm pretty sure yeah. you're the first one who has never entered a contest i i don't i don't know what 
except for the nickel, which I understand that you were what a semifinalist for, yeah. for two scripts or something. That's yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. awesome. That's yeah, so cool. Crazy. Thank um, you. That was the beginning of things kicking off for me. So yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I, I, with the exception of the nickel, I don't know anything about contests. Like again, like, you know, this is not, I don't come from this world, you know, and I wasn't on Twitter for screenwriting. I was on Twitter for sports. So like, I wasn't aware of any of this stuff. I didn't know what happened once you finish the script. I didn't know you could enter it in a contest. I was just like, Oh, maybe someone will read this. And like, and thankfully like for whatever reason that happened, but yeah, I've, I've never entered anything into a contest. Like I can't say which ones are good. I can't say which ones are bad. Like I have no idea what any of that stuff is. Yeah. There's going to be so much loving animosity towards that from so many writers who are like, cool. That's so great. You never entered a contest. That's awesome. Like, because it really sucks playing the contest game sucks but um but it is it is fucking awesome that um that your your path has been different and you've found the success you have that you know everybody listening is going to be happy for that but it is hell playing the contest game it sucks but like so you're usually i'm sure sending things to your manager sending things to some trusted peers for notes early on that's usually what it's like yeah. So I, I sent stuff to peers first before I sent it to my manager. You know, I wanted a little bit more done before I get it to her. Um, Me too. They're busy people. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, I, and you, I think you have to be respectful of, of their time. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like you first, like you should never be with a rep that you don't like as a person. Like mm-hmm. I, I yeah. fundamentally believe that. Yep. Um, totally. And if you like, if you like somebody as a person, then you, you need to be respectful of their time. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she is like, bunch of other clients that you know some are doing bigger things some are just starting it doesn't matter mm-hmm. that like you know i like the the number one thing also that i can tell people is be respectful of people's time so that's an all things. Mm-hmm. if you're on a date be there on time yeah. if you if you've got a few friends going to the movie don't fucking show up halfway they're like halfway through the beginning of the movie yeah. you know like and yeah. when it comes to work understand that these are busy people mm-hmm. and you know if they want to work with you and they want to work for you and they want to work in collaboration, they will do what they need to do. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I got nine months, nine months after getting signed, I got to a writer. That's mm-hmm. fucking insane. Yeah. And that's because of the work that she was putting in, but it's also because I was respectful of her time. I was mm-hmm. respectful of who she was as a person mm-hmm. and I'm not demanding things because mm-hmm. again, I'm not results-based. Yeah. You know, I'm not in this mode. Like my mentality, I can only think two weeks ahead in all things. Mm-hmm. I can only think about today, tomorrow, and next week, and my brain physically shuts off. Like I have yeah. no concept of what the future looks like at all. Yeah. That's another um, athlete thing, I think. Game to game, absolutely. practice to practice. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think because of that, I'm just like, okay, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do tomorrow? What would be cool if I could do next week? Mm-hmm. And then if all those things happen, great. If none of them happen, whatever. But because of that, I think like, I'm, I'm just like, you know, whatever will be, will be, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I wasn't expecting the Disney thing to to fall through. I mean, or, or happen, you know, I was just, I was fucking sitting there and then I got an e- email from my manager. Oh, you have a staffing mm-hmm. meeting tomorrow. But like, let's go. So, so crazy. It, yeah. So it's just like, whatever, you know? So yeah. It was, um, so yeah, that's, that's been really helpful for me too. But yeah, so I send them to peers and then once I, get some good feedback from them. They're always wonderful people. I usually send it to my brother first. My brother's in film school as well. So we collaborate on a few things together. Oh, nice. Um, Is he screenwriting? 
so he's a directing major. Oh, awesome. Um, but awesome. yeah, yeah. So he's at a school of the arts in Winston-Salem, um, UNC mm-hmm. school of the arts. And, uh, he's, so he's 20. Um, so he's three years younger than I am. Awesome. Um, and, uh, so I'll usually send it to him first cause he has really good insight. Um, and then after that, I'll send it to, you know, I send some stuff to my parents because my parents are like, um, are, they don't write, you know, but they watch a lot of things. So I'm always curious. I'm like, what of like an audience perspective? Like, what are you gleaning from this? What do you not understand? Um, and then I'll send it to like, you know, uh, trusted professionals that I know, um, mm-hmm. that will give me good feedback and then I'll send it to my manager and then we'll do the whole, this works, this doesn't work. We should mm-hmm. pitch here. We should do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way about respecting people's time in the sense that, uh, my first draft needs to be like pretty good before I send it yeah. out, which I mean, I'm not really showing people until more, maybe like third draft technically, okay, uh, my gotcha. first draft yeah. for me, read through it, see if I like it. Second draft's a little better, but like shit has to be like at least kind of on point. Um, some people Absolutely. are okay with like sending out the roughest, roughest draft and no hate. I don't mean this in a hateful way. Everybody does what they yeah. do, but like, yeah, for me, it's just like, dude, if you're going to read all 90 pages of this fucking thing, uh, I'm going to have it in a Should place a where time. I'm pretty proud yeah. of it. Yeah. Like I feel like <laughs> it's a coherent story. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh, um god i'm still tripping off the no contest thing dude that's so awesome it's just so like it's it's just so unique it's such a unique path uh, nowadays i I don't i don't i don't mean to be naive at all but like is it a big thing is it like a big like because i i just have no fundamental knowledge of it at all so like i don't know if it's like a massive enterprise or not dude it's a big industry and in many ways it could be called predatory um just in like it's like any it's like any um any company where you can give someone a shot at their dream to go a little further yeah there are gonna be predatory people getting involved in that now there's a lot of good people like dude the nickel changes lives for people but it's still you know when i when i um submitted the first time ever was 2020 i submitted two scripts neither got in at all and uh, I yeah. think it's like, you know, 160 bucks for those two. Um, so oh, wow. Holy not, shit. not super cheap. So yeah. literally all I did was take <laughs> 160 bucks, put it in the toilet and flushed. Yeah. And uh, but then uh, I took those same exact two features and kind of brushed them up over the year. I got feedback here. I got peer review here. And then I resubmitted them both in um, summer of 2021. And both of them hit. And it was just like oh, lucky, cool. but. In 2021, I submitted even later. The final deadline price is 88 per script, so it was almost oh, wow. it was almost 200 bucks to uh, yeah. to get those two in. And a lot of them, usually, you're paying 50, 60, 70 dollars to enter. Oh wow! Um, there's an option to get notes too, and a lot of times that's like double the price. Um, dude, it's expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. And then you hear a lot of these contests. I'll try not to say names because I want people to sponsor my podcast someday, but, um, some of them have been caught like, you know, uh, all their readers are unpaid and their, uh, their unpaid readers are tacked with reading like four five, six features a day and giving thoughtful feedback and judgment on those. And it's like, dude, by your sixth feature in a day when you're making no money, 
you're not going to yeah. give thoughtful notes and thoughtful judgment. No, you're, you're yeah. burning through it, trying to get done. So people get that feedback. That's like, you know, I uh, just think Jeff, you know, didn't really feel like a real person. And the writer's like, there's no Jeff in my story. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it's a mess yeah. in some ways, but then, I also know a lot of people. There's a, a great writer, great dude, Nabil Chowdhury. Um, on okay. he's on Twitter. He he uh, yeah. won the Screencraft Sci-Fi competition in 2019, and now he's like working on scripts with like big studios, big studio projects and oh, stuff. Cool. And he's just Very a cool. great great dude. But like he broke in from contests. Um, of course, my success comes from the nickel, but I also probably spent about, you know, a little over two grand on random contests yeah. that didn't do shit for me, even when I did place Actually. kind of high. So yeah, it's just a gauntlet dude. And while yeah. they can change your life, um, the odds of it happening are pretty small and you just got to know that, you know, you're playing a lottery. It, these contests yeah, yeah, are, yeah. they are not, um, they're not an indicator of quality of your script always. Um, sometimes some absolute banger scripts don't get anywhere in the contests. And then somehow they get picked up by some manager and instantly they yeah. get a star attached to it because the quality was there. For some reason, whoever read for that contest wasn't feeling it. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I get I guess I can relate to that experience a little bit. Um because I, I knew nothing about how expensive that Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Why. Yeah, it's no um, joke. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, you know, because I, I had like five or so managers pass on me prior to my manager, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, and it was the same thing. script. You know, it was mm -hmm. the same script. It was the same one that she read. Um, and like this, the script that they didn't like or they didn't resonate with or didn't click for them for whatever reason is the same one that got me wrecked by both lawyer and manager, the same one that got me every single general meeting. And I had a lot and the same one that got me fucking, um, the, the staffing job, uh, the, the staff writer job. It's funny so it's how just it like, works, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So I think like <clears throat> as, a, as to, to add an addendum to your PSA, um, <laughs> yeah. that, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be rude, mm -hmm. but, if you if your shit is good and you fucking believe it's good, then fuck everybody else that doesn't mm -hmm. believe in it. Straight because up. there are if it's good and if you believe in it and if you're championing in it, there are going to be other people that are receptive to it. There are going to be mm -hmm. other people that are responsive to it, and it's just about finding the right one. You know, yeah. and it's like you know sometimes that's just hard, and maybe it's the contest thing. Like I that wasn't my experience, but like you know I can totally understand getting frustrated mm -hmm. and wondering if your shit's not good, mm -hmm. but if you have, if you have taste, right. Like, I think like, if you understand what a good movie is, what a good show is mm -hmm. and you're reading your, what you wrote and you're like, oh, this is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Despite whatever the fuck they're saying, fuck it. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's going to be someone that's going to fuck with your shit and mm -hmm. going to help you out. Mm -hmm. And then it's up to you obviously to like, you know, they can get you to the door, but you need to burst through it. Yeah. Um, but you know, don't don't give up on your shit just because some random person you don't know said they don't like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. So. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Honestly, it's it's so subjective. And the weird thing is too, sometimes it takes that one single person taking a chance on it and being like, "No, this is good." Because that's what happened with my manager, Jared. I had taken like yeah. five generals with managers. Everyone said, "Yeah, it's pretty good." You know, good luck out there. 
and didn't want to sign yeah. me. Yeah. And then Jared yeah. took a chance and all of a sudden I'm getting these generals. And then one of them turns into a shopping agreement for that script that got me in the door. Imagine. And like yeah. some exciting things are happening with that now, but it's like, people take you more seriously too. Once that one credible person is on your team, exactly. you know, yeah. and now it's like, Oh wait, we read that six months ago, but we want to look at it again. Now that that person exactly. is behind them. Yeah, Cause yeah. yeah, it's an indicator of quality. Happens, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> dude. Yeah. It's funny. It's, it, I mean, it is what it is. I know that like another thing to be nice to the people working on the other side of the industry is that, a lot of these times, you know, if you take a gamble on something that bombs, that's your job. Your job that's is your job. gone. Yeah, so absolutely. like, I mean, yeah. I, I get it. And Hollywood is just in such a weird place right now where if it's not like a tent pole, you know, four quadrant IP driven, whatever the fuck, no. uh, it's just, it's so hard right now to have theater yeah. success, unless you're like a Jordan Peele too, where like, you know, Notepad mixed reviews, but like it had a good run at the box office, and I saw it twice, yeah. and I'm I love it. But uh, the thing I love my, about it was it my is, favorite movie of the year. Oh hell yeah, it was my favorite yeah. movie of the year. Actually. I think it was probably it was mine. I haven't, brilliant. I haven't thought about my list yet much, but like yeah, dude, it was really really good. And what I love about Peel, you can kind of see that like early M Night Shyamalan influence in his shit too. See, I. I love I love M Night. People people hate on my boy, too. but he's a legend. I'm telling you, he's a legend. Me he's too. one of our great American directors. He's yeah. unproblematic. He fucking funds everything. Yeah. He self-funds everything. Everything makes a hundred fucking million dollars. Obviously, some of the stuff may not have worked, but like he keeps trying really cool, weird, original shit. And stuff like people didn't like old. I actually really liked old. I thought it was really I thought it was very Hitchcocky in a really earnest way. Obviously, like, you know, M Night is um you know, the M night Hitchcock inspiration is clear, similar to like with De Palma's career. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think he, he does really fun stuff, like really cool, interesting things. Me too. He is a great, he's a great image maker. Um, mm -hmm. and some of the, some of his films have really resonated with me. Like I, yeah. I, I don't understand the hate cause it's, he's Dude. not like fucking Roman Polanski. That's like a piece of dog shit. Like he's actually, right. Like, <laughs> right. He's, yeah, he's actually good like dude. A, a genuinely nice person. Yeah. And so, like yeah. in my mind too, he made signs and signs was such a meaningful movie to me oh, growing up. Like yeah. it's just yeah. such a banger. And then he's also, actually, he's actually really good in signs. That, yeah, that, I know. that small moment he has in signs. He's actually really good in it. Yeah. It's, it's the perfect amount of, um, emotion without overacting, overselling it. Yeah. He's really good. Absolutely. And like, yeah. uh, and I, I love, I love partially too. Well, this is the last thing I'll say about M night. Me and, uh, my <laughs> first guest ever, Gabe Braxton, shout out Gabe. Uh, we, we opened this podcast <laughs> with like a 15 minute, like, uh, just, praising of M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, oh, so great. it's he's kind great. of funny yeah. going back to it now. But like one thing I love too is that that dude has had so many like flip flop movies. This one's successful. This one is panned by critics. What yeah. a back and forth, but he's always said fuck you and makes the next thing that's even more bonkers. And like yeah. uh, I just have so much respect for that. But yeah, anyway, I see that in Peel's work too, like the influence, the M. Yeah. Night influence. And um, that's one thing I loved about Nope is that that like uh one thing that you have to say is that you haven't seen anything like that in the sci-fi space yet. Fun, like uh, absolutely agree absolutely yeah, agree. it has the close encounters yeah. influence in there and that's pretty apparent but like it is a 100 brand new take 
on something my, like Close Encounters. Um, my my yeah. my hot take about Nope is that I think it's his best film. Um, yeah. And I think when it comes to like a great piece of art versus a good piece of art, whether it be film or TV, in my own personal criteria, it's do you continue to actively engage with the text mm -hmm. over a period of rewatches, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can watch something that's great. And then the first couple of times, maybe you're looking at it from a different lens, but like you watch something and you're like, the fifth or sixth time you're like, okay, I know everything that's going to happen, you know? And it's like, I know all the beats. It's still very good. It's very fun. I love to watch it with friends, mm -hmm. but you know, I think what makes a great film is your ability to learn new things about yourself mm -hmm. through the lens of watching the film. Maybe you talk about it with somebody who has a different interpretation. You watch it through that lens and maybe you learn something new about the film. Mm -hmm. um, you, you come back to it in a few years and maybe you're like, Oh, I didn't realize this. Maybe you come back to it when you're married or you come back to it when you have children and like right. you have a completely new interpretation of it. Yeah. And nope. Like, you know, I've seen it twice already. Um, and each time, I mean, I was just, I was the last, like, I, I don't want to spoil anything because obviously mm -hmm. it came out this year, but like yeah. the last 40 minutes are fucking singular. So There's good. nothing on this fucking planet in a hundred plus years of cinema. I've never seen anything like it in my fucking life. Mm -hmm. Anything. Yeah. And for that alone, I was like, okay, I need to see it again. And yeah. then rewatching it, understanding all the thematic stuff, sort of like the, the ambiguity and sort of the, the open-endedness that I think is really interesting and really important and really impactful. And the performance is remarkable. Mm -hmm. um, it's fucking gorgeous. Um, Hoyte Van Hoytema is, I think, is, is one of our greatest working legends. Absolutely. If he wasn't before, which he already was, but if he wasn't in your Absolutely. mind after seeing this, yeah, it is so visually stunning. Yeah. This movie. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, same. I think I'm still on the get out train as my number one, but yeah. uh, like every one of them I've enjoyed. And it's just so cool being like, a, like many of us, I was a fan of Peel before he did films yeah. uh, just from Key and Peele and yeah, even of course, of course. back to his old mad TV stuff. But like, uh, just, just like seeing Key and Peele and being like, okay, this dude is very smart, like comedically, like one of the, these are some of the best sketches I've ever seen. One of the best sketches I've ever seen. And then for yeah. that to cross over into the thriller genre of film and be one of, make one of the greatest ones I've ever seen, like right off the bat, I was like, Absolutely. oh, he's a genius. That's what's going he's on. Amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah amazing, amazing dude yeah. but yeah okay so we'll, we're gonna start cruising through some of these uh yeah of course so are you now writing full-time as uh like a profession yeah yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. um i was uh the staff writer job um opened a lot of a lot of things for me um mm -hmm. and uh um it, it pays well so yeah that's the thing about um, tv too is that tv yeah. is nice nice money right yeah. now especially and, I, I, and I'll, I'll say i think like if if people are interested in like how a writer's room works or what it looks like um um obviously it's different and this is my first one so like i can't really like speak to sort of like a general whatever but mm -hmm. you need to be like we talked about earlier you need to be egoless Mm -hmm. You need to, but you need to be confident. Like you, mm -hmm. I pitched, I pitched things in our room that absolutely just fucking bombed, you know, mm -hmm. like no one got, no one understood. And if I was just like, if I folded up and I was just like, okay, I'm not going to say anything anymore. Then I wouldn't have, because I didn't have an episode of my contract. Like I, I got, I pitched my way in the room to getting a solo credit. 
Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't because like, if it wasn't for obviously like, you know, the leadership is, is top down. So it's like the way in which the room operates is contingent on the showrunners as well as like, you know, the, the upper level writers and how they carry themselves mm-hmm. and um, the, the mentality that they have and sort mm-hmm. of the openness that they are willing to share with the, the young or the lower level writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I was empowered by the, the community that we had. It was an all black writers room, which was phenomenal mm-hmm. um, to, to be able to speak. But like, if I mm-hmm. was precious about my ideas, then they wouldn't have given me an episode to write. They would have mm-hmm. just written it themselves or someone else would have written it. Yeah. Um, so I think you need to do that. And you also need to be a team player, you know, like mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes like a week, like sometimes like a week goes by from you pitching something that was kind of lukewarm and maybe someone pitches that. And that doesn't mean that they stole it. You know it means Maybe like they just like forgot that you said it, which mm-hmm. happens a lot of the time. Cause you mm-hmm. know, minimum you're in these fucking rooms for five, six hours a day, mm-hmm. uh, minimum five, six mm-hmm. hours a day, five days a week. So a mm-hmm. lot of people say shit. There's yeah. a lot of notes going around. There's a lot of things. And yeah. maybe something that you said sparks something else that is a transmogrified version of your pitch, but works better. Mm-hmm. You need to be okay with that. Yeah. And that's okay because the story is what matters. And it's mm-hmm. not like people are taking your shit or doing any of these things, but like, you just need to be a team player. I think you need to be open and you need to be confident. You, you've been mm-hmm. hired and it's very, it is harder to work in, TV, it's harder to be a professional writer now than it's harder than, um, than it is to be an NFL player. Like yeah. there's a, there's a statistic. There are more active NFL players than there are like, I think paid TV writers. Wow. Um, and because of that, you have been, cho- if you get the opportunity to do that, you've been chosen for a reason. People mm-hmm. are not going to invest hundreds of thousand dollars into you sitting and shooting the shit with people. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't believe that you can contribute. So like, you know, if mm-hmm. things don't go your way, just remember like, this is a corporation, it is a business. They do not give a fuck about you. Yeah. They only hired you because they think you can help them. Mm-hmm. And if they believe that, that means that you should believe it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I so, love that. It's kind of that thing. It's almost like uh, uh, the fucking eight mile Eminem song. Like, this is your moment. You know, you better seize yeah. the moment because like, <laughs> that's like the corniest way I could put that. But um, I know whenever I had like a little buzz from the nickel, it was the first like buzz buzz that I'd ever had where I was like, yeah. oh shit, this is bigger than like, you know, um, I shared a cover fly score on Twitter and, you know, people are like liking it or whatever. This felt real for the first time. Yeah. And I remember consciously thinking like, you need to do everything you can in this moment because momentum is just like, you, you know, it comes and it goes. And, yeah. um, and luckily I was able to like kind of create my own buzz from that, uh, those placements. And, managed to carry it all the way into getting repped which was nice but Beautiful. Like, now with um some this shopping agreement thing kind of taken off and knowing that like if things go well that's going to turn into a sale and um yeah. like you know it could be a big deal for me um knowing that, that comes i need to fucking be ready like i have to have the next project yeah. or two ready that's like actually industry ready not just like yeah. yeah you know i have this idea i have that um yeah. it's yeah when momentum comes and like so when you get into your first room it's like yeah don't don't be shy you know you have one shot at this and like not necessarily you might bomb out of your first room and still have other chances and that's fine but like I think we should all go into our first opportunity being like, okay, shit is real now. Time to work my ass off, do what I got to do. 
Um, and yeah, don't, don't be shy. Don't tiptoe into it. Know that you're there for a reason. I, I love how you put that. Um, so of the scripts that you've written, actually, you know what, what are some hobbies outside of screenwriting that you have? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny, like my, my, I have a deep, deep love for cinema. Um, mm-hmm. like, you know, because I was, because of the staffing job, I'm in Toronto right now for TIFF. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so awesome. Like a, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm seeing my friend's movie tonight. Um, I'm, I'm so proud of him. I'm yeah. really excited to see that. I'm seeing the Fableman's, uh, Spielberg's new movie. Oh, wow. Um, uh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. And I like, you know, I, I watch everything because I'm self-educated. I, I think about Martin Scorsese's, um, quote all the time where it's like st- learn the old masters, you know, like study the old masters. And I, I watch everything. I watch stuff from the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, whatever. Um, and part of that is like a self-education, but really most of that is just cause I love it. Like I love movies. I love, I love how they come apart. I love what they do. I love how the, what they make me feel. And I think like for everything with horror, with horror, especially, I think movies, TV, there's always a barrier between you and what's happening, obviously, because, you know, it's on the screen and you're sitting down wherever. Um, but you always know it's a fantasy. You know, you always know it's fake. You always know that these are actors. You always know that this is a fake set, like whatever. Um, even if it's gripping, you're there's always sort of a bit of a barrier, you know, where you're like, okay, at the end of the day, I'm going back to my house if it's a theater or I'm turning off the screen and going to bed if it's uh, streaming or something like that. Um but with horror, you know, all of that and you fucking cannot turn away. Yeah. <laughs> and you, it is, it is the, it is one of the only things in my life where I can walk out of a theater, turn off a streaming thing and check under my bed or like check the closets just yeah. to be sure, you know, yeah. this and is so funny to hear from a, a former yeah. linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm telling you, yeah. I remember, I remember, um, walking out of, uh, uh, walking out of, uh, um, hereditary the the first time i saw it mm, um which is yes. the which was the great the, the greatest theater experience i've ever had in my entire life same dude um, same and I, I remember because it's it's exactly what we're talking about he had control over everyone there was you know even when you're watching a good movie you can hear talk you know you can hear some chatter and you can hear maybe shuffling maybe someone's eating drinking whatever so all that stuff kind of happens in the first five, 10 minutes. And then it gets a little bit quieter, a little bit quieter. And when that moment happens early on in the film, which I won't spoil, but the big moment, there was nothing in my theater. There was no talking. There was no shuffling. I couldn't even hear breathing. There was no eating. When the lights rolled up, and granted, this is in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. This is not cinema town. This is like, you know, yeah, a, yeah. A, basically a retirement community. Sure. Um, there are people that I know do not care about the hundreds of people that work to make this movie happen sure. are sitting there halfway through the credits and they, uh-huh. they have nothing in their eyes. They're just yeah. like, they're dead. You know, what did I and just see past full bags? Exactly. You're watching, you're walking past full bags of popcorn mm. and I'm just like, ah, fucking amazing. So like yeah. I would say one of the main things I do is, um, I, I watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of TV um, and I, I like it. You know, that's one of the things, but also I think like not the darker side, but the, a little bit more dangerous side is I do a lot of like extreme sports stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'll, I do a lot of body surfing. Um, I will, um, I'm starting to pick up, uh, I want to pick up real surfing. I want to go mm-hmm. skydiving. I do cliff jumping. Um, yeah. I do like, you know, hiking and like free climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, when I was in high school, I, I won't confirm or deny that I may or may not have been um, a street racer. So, ah, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So uh, that, yeah. that is something that I actually want to, um, I'm going to write a feature about sort of that experience. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I've always been, I've always liked, you know, obviously football is a high adrenaline thing. I really, I'm adrenaline junkie. So I like all yeah. those things. Yeah. Um, so that's the stuff I think, like I like being in nature. I really like being outside. Um, yeah. I was at Malibu Creek state park, which is a really, really nice state park in, the, in Malibu. And I was like 20 feet above the ground, free climbing on the rocks with like no shirt, no shoes, anything. Mm-hmm. And I, it was exhilarating. You know, so I yeah. love stuff like that, you know? That's rad, man. I love it. I love that there's so many things going on there because something that uh, I talk about with writers on here a lot, but I think everyone talks about is to do this job that we do, you have to be also out there living life. You can't just write all the time. You need to be experiencing life. And it's so true. And then you can write that, uh, that, that uh, cool rock climbing story one day from a place of knowledge about it, having been through it. Exactly. Honestly, exactly. nowadays, a lot of the reasons that I do new things are for the experience so that I know I'm going to write about that someday. <laughs> I don't have a family yet, yeah. but I do know okay, yeah, yeah. that I eventually want to have kids. And part of it is that I want to write the becoming a dad feature. Like I want to like know what it's like because it's it's such a life milestone, you know, and um, yeah. just like so. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's like I'm almost always living with a side of selfishness because I'm like, I could use that. Uh, someone yeah, tells me like a absolutely. deep story from their life. And I'm like, it's not very moral, but I should use that. Like, it's not ethical, <laughs> but that is too good. Um, yeah. but yeah, that that's awesome. Uh, I love hearing people who are really out there just trying new shit and having fun. Yeah. Um, of the scripts that you've written, which is your favorite and why? Um, I think that's, that's, that's a good question. I think it's a hard one, but I, like, I'm so proud of it. The first, cause the first script I felt the fr- really the first script I ever wrote was the pilot yeah. um, that, you know, opened all these doors for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for that experience. I'm grateful mm-hmm. for those characters. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm grateful for the creation of that. Um, but I, I deeply, deeply, deeply love the, the most recent thing that I read. They were about to take out this horror pilot. It's the most personal thing I've ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, even more so than that essay, mm-hmm. it deals a lot with depression. It deals a lot with black masculinity, with black vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it, it means the world to me, you know, like yeah. this is these, these characters, especially the lead is basically who I am. I, one of my, one of my seminal icons, um, who I, um, carelessly forgot to mention mm-hmm. is, uh, um, uh, Mike Flanagan. Yeah, um, and you know, like, uh, the haunting of Hill house and especially mm-hmm. I think midnight mass midnight mm-hmm. mass is the reason why this horror pilot exists. Nice. I reason. actually still haven't um, watched midnight mass just the yeah. other day. A friend was telling me to watch it. So yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. it's amazing. And, you know, to see a creator at the level that he's at the, the mm-hmm. level that I want to be, you know, he is, mm-hmm. he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And his stuff is incredible. Yeah. But watching midnight mass and watching something so vulnerable from someone at the height of his power, Mm-hmm. Um, be so open about his struggles, be so open about his fears, um, about what scares him about himself. All of that, I think was just like, okay, if, if Mike Flanagan can be this vulnerable, then mm-hmm. so can I. Um, yeah. so I, I credit, hopefully if it gets made, um, I, I will 
effusively credit um, his work because it's it's made a profound impact on my life. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's it's crazy too. Like even beyond the horror, how good the story and the drama in his stuff is too. You Absolutely. know, beyond the scares, yeah. and I think that's what truly makes a good horror film. It's not just about scares. Otherwise, all we would have is slashers. I love slashers. I grew up on slashers. Exactly. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you know, even though people I love slashers hate, too, yeah. Yeah. Even though people hate this term elevated horror, which I can see why some people hate it. Um, I love the era that we're in right now of horror with deep thematic um ties and just like deep character work and uh it's just really firing on a whole different level, I think, right now than it was in, say, like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Say for Scream, you know, one of the, you know, uh, genre yeah. changing, like the genre really changed after Scream. Every now and then, I think Absolutely. a movie comes along. I think Blair Witch did that. Um Paranormal Activity did that. I honestly think Hereditary helped do that too. Um, just it, it sets a new bar yeah, for like absolutely. a subgenre. Um, yeah. yeah, really cool. Uh, so, uh, what's a recent accomplishment that you're proud of? Could be screenwriting related. Doesn't have to be. Um, I feel like I would be the Disney Plus thing. But uh, what do you got? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, getting. I guess really getting to go on set for the episode I wrote. Um, oh, I was in so New Orleans cool. for 10 days. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was amazing. And, you know, the, our gracious showrunners, um, uh, believed that it was important for me to go, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, getting to go to New Orleans, getting to meet the cast, you know, mm -hmm. getting to produce the episode, you know, watching the dialogue that, you know, I wrote come to life. Um, mm -hmm. it was a uh, mesmeric. So Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So, you know, as a parting thing, uh, what are a few words of advice that you have for your fellow screenwriters out there? Uh, yeah. especially to those who are just getting started. Yeah. Um, honestly, like, yeah, I, th I think we've shared a lot of great advice um, yeah. already, but I, I, I will say, I think that one of the, I mean, honestly, I think it, you, you gotta love it. You gotta love this shit. I mean, there's a difference between people that like it and people that love it, you know, and I think that there are some people here, even people that are operating at a high level that don't love, it, you know, um, and I, I just can't do that. I can't live my life like that. You know, I, I need to fall in love with something that I'm doing. Um, and if, and do it for, I, again, like I'll harken back, like if fall in love with the process of it, you know, like don't do it for the contest win or for the, the, the deadline article Mm -hmm. or the overall deal or yep. the box office or the mansion like mm -hmm. no do it because something moves you that you cannot exist you can't sleep you can't eat you can't breathe without thinking about this thing yeah and if it compels you so if it moves you like that then write it and listen to the people that love you listen to the people that want to support you listen to the people that want to help you and everybody that doesn't fuck them you know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is your life. It's your career. Your name is going to be on these scripts. Your name is going to be in those credits. Mm -hmm. Believe in yourself first and foremost and do it because you fucking love it. Yeah. I love that so much. Uh, one thing I'll add on to that too. Uh, we talked a lot about vulnerability today. Um, yeah. I, one thing I found uh, my own scripts are a testament to this. It sounds like yours are as well, but then like a lot of other successful writers I've had the privilege of talking to uh, don't be afraid of getting vulnerable in your writing. Honestly, you 
usually the thing that you are afraid to write because it's so vulnerable and you feel so naked telling that story, that's probably going to th- be the thing that pops for you. Like it just really is. Cause you Absolutely. can't fake authenticity. Absolutely. You can't fake passion. And, um, people feel that the, the powers that be that are, yeah. you know, uh, standing at the gate, we're hoping they let us in. They feel that shit. And they feel the difference between someone who just wrote a story about like, yeah, it's some CIA guy and he's, you know, he's out for revenge, uh, which more power to yeah. you. Those movies get made all the time. But um, you can tell the clear <laughs> difference between like, oh, this person had like a unique life experience that's also relatable to so many people and not enough people are talking about this. Uh, people can feel that. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, get get comfortable with writing about the stuff that you're sensitive about, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, yeah, so no, I couldn't are, agree more. Yeah. Are there any projects that you would like to plug anything you have going on? I definitely want to share if it's okay under whenever I share this episode, I'd love to share your blog yeah. too. Um, the yeah, yeah, life course, blog piece. Course, yeah. yeah, I'd love to share that. Yeah, Just, I absolutely. think that's really great. Um, but yeah, anything you want yeah. to plug anything you got going on? Um, I, I will, I will, step away and I'll plug my, my friend's thing. Uh, my friend, uh, Amon Esfandi is in um, a new a 24 movie called the inspection. Um, it's coming out, uh, Toronto international film festival, which is one of the main reasons I'm here is to see it. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes in theaters in November. Uh, but he is an enormous, enormously talented, enormously kind individual. Um, I'm so, so proud of him that Mm. he's in this, film i'm proud of everyone that that has made it i've I've met some of the people that were on it um mm-hmm. they're the lovely people um so i i will say see that um yeah that is that is what i will plug so <laughs> i love that you're also the first person in the history of the pod to plug a friend's thing and i love that not that others wouldn't but i just really love that yeah. that is awesome what what is their name again uh iman Fondi. um and uh, the the film is called the inspection Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So everybody be on the lookout for that. Um, uh, a friend of a friend of the pod is in the movie and, uh, yeah, dude, that's it. That's all I got guys. Uh, Jake, thank you so much for doing this, man. It was such a great interview, such a great time talking. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for having me. All right. That's it. Y'all episode 18 is in the books. Haven't done that in a long time. Uh, that was a fun episode. I really had a blast getting to know Jake. Um, great guy, really obviously talented and on his way. Um, but yeah, it was just a great talk. And uh, I hope that you guys got something out of it, even if it's just one thing. Um, I do want to say, go ahead and uh, give us a shout out on Twitter. If you like the episode, if you didn't like the episode, if I said something dumb, Go ahead and call me out uh, at Social Writer Pod. You can uh, tweet at us. And uh, yeah, I like talking to you guys on there. I will promise to try my best to look at every comment. I act like I'm getting a bunch of attention. I'm not. But um, I appreciate every one of you who do listen regularly or do share our stuff or whatever you do. I just really, really appreciate it. Even if it's just clicking the like button, it helps us, I guess, with the algorithm. I don't understand algorithms. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm actually recording tomorrow morning as well. This episode is going to drop tomorrow morning and I'm recording tomorrow morning with a guest who I think you guys are going to be very, very excited to hear from. Uh, We all know him from Twitter. We all love him. 
And I'm excited to get to know the guy just because we've been kind of interacting, you know, on Twitter the way we all do, but never talking. So it's going to be fun. Um, that's all I got, guys. Until next time, take care. Uh, bye-bye. The Social Screenwriters Pod.